listening to the Movements Podcast with Steve Addison. It's the podcast for people who want to multiply disciples and churches everywhere. Today we're going to listen in on Jeff Sundell's report of the story of emerging streams of church planting movements across the United States. during the week at Bojangles, and we're training them how to share their story, Jesus' story. We're talking about lost people. Our big first big thing, most of y'all have heard, is we shifted from using the word lostness to far from God, which really, it gave us a target, you know, and we made that little shift and shifted to far from God, like Neil Ferry's, you know, the guy that sort of helped that happen. It took us three months to get in our first house of peace. It took about six months to see the first person come to Christ. So that's, two, that's in 2009. 2009-2010, um, it started getting to be where it was a little more normal to hear people come to Christ. You know, so every couple weeks, maybe every couple months, you hear people come to Christ, House of Peace. So first year, we had about, say mid-2010, about 35 groups. And we had, I don't know... I think we had 89 baptisms that year, roughly. Um, but here, I just want to list some mistakes I think I made. Um, we, we brought back exactly what we were using in India. And so one of the first things I gave up was Oikos mapping. You know, and now you all know how stupid that was to give up Oikos mapping if you've, you've learned Oikos mapping. We, we, I gave it up because as we shared it, they, they were like, oh, I don't get this. I don't understand what this... Oikos mapping thing is, and so we sort of said, "Well, let's let's remove that." And then we, we heard, no, "You can't call it church, you know, because it's not good to call it church." So we came up with cute names to call things. So we call them C four groups, and so we, we gave up, sort of placated to that issue. Um, so that was two big things. The other big thing we gave up was we. We had a simple gospel presentation that reproduced in Asia. It has the potential to reproduce in the U.S. And um, we would find something we hadn't really found before. We'd find people. We'd go share our story. And I'd get somebody to say, you know, I'm spiritually interested, but I'm not ready to follow Jesus yet. You know, so we call it the yellow line, you know. And so we, we have this. Now, in Asia, we would go through the seven commands of Christ. We would just we'd share the gospel, and if they didn't believe, we'd just go through the seven commands of Christ. Because you just talk about Jesus and the seven commands of Christ, right? And we would just do that. Well, we had people go, I'm not going to disciple a lost person. Well, I'm like, well, dude, you're not disciple and save people, man. What are you talking about? You're not disciple a lost person, you know? So, <laughs> so anyhow, we, we got creative, and we went out and created the seven stories of hope. Um, and that was to deal with this issue of the church pushing back on this idea of doing pre-evangelism discipleship, which before in Asia we just did the Son of Commands Christ. Well now, you see we, we're making things complex. So we took simple things and made them complex. Because that's one of the things we said actually in Houston we'd evaluate is going, where are we really seeing fourth generation come to Christ through seven stories of hope per se? I mean, I know we've seen second generation. I'm not sure we've seen third generation. But to me, that's one of those things where we listened 
I think we listened to the wrong people, I guess is all I'm saying. To me, it was a big mistake. Um, was listening on, on those couple issues. Alright? So, but again, this is, this is the world we live in. Because we're trying to mobilize this part of the body of Christ to here. Um, so in the spring of 2010, we had a time of fasting and prayer. Because there was no generational growth. And so there was about 35 or so people began to fast and pray. And when, I think we fasted and prayed for about 17 days. Um, there was no big, you know, boom, anything like this, or, you know, along that line. But we did make one little tweak. We'd, we'd been, essentially, when we came back to the U.S., again, one of the things we shifted from was, you know, well, storytelling is complex, so let's, let's read it and then tell the story. And then, anyhow, we made a little tweak that summer, and we said, hey, let's go back to storytelling, and let's tell the story, pair up, retell the story, then read it. And anyhow, there seems to be correlated to that. That's when we began to see some generational breakthroughs. I don't know if it was a change in the method, or it was the fasting and prayer. I, I still I wouldn't be able to say one way or the other. But I, I do know that it was after a season where we looked at the obstacle. The obstacle was no generational growth. So we fasted and prayed. We got our Bibles out. And we went, started in Genesis and worked through the book of Revelation. Literally, all of us during that fasting and prayer and trying to look at what were God's... Where did God cause generational growth? And we looked at physical also, not just spiritual. So we looked at the physical generational growth and the spiritual generational growth. But anyhow, it was in that season after that we began to see the first breakthroughs starting with Mickey to where we began to see some generational growth begin to happen. And I think the other thing at that point in time is um, we had uh, another season of fasting and prayer after that. There was sort of three streams. There was Neil Perry, Andy Evans, and um, our, our sort of stream right there. And there was a goal to get to 100 groups. And um, so, again, another season of fasting and prayer. Um, the problem is we, you know, we actually got to 100 groups really quick. So we've already given up the word church. We were shooting for 100 groups, and we got to 100 groups real quick. But most of them were, I got a guy named Kevin, who some of y'all have met Kevin. Kevin, this, he eats, sleeps, drinks this all the day long. You know, and he will do this seven nights a week. And his family will do this seven nights a week. Well, that's not, that's not the normal person over here who does this. Well, the problem is we attracted a lot of guys like that. So we, we, we got to 100 groups, but again, a lot of them weren't actually generational. Alright? And the problem is, if you're working seven nights a week, if you're working a full-time job, and you're working six, five, six times a week doing groups, you know, how are you going to keep this going if you're not raising up your Timothys? And so again, I think there was, a, there was another mistake of, you know, these guys, we were pushing the vision... But they caught the vision of starting these onesies. Okay? And so we got real wide and not, not very deep. Well, so one of the things that happened is um, Bobby Welch came over. And I think I'd been with Andy Evans about three months before. They had like 35, 37 groups. It's First Baptist Spindale. Well, now Bobby Welch is there. He said, yeah, we got, how many, he said, how many churches you got? He said, well, about seven. He said, well, how many other groups do you have? He said, well, maybe five, six more. 
It's like, well, where did those go? Where did the others go? Well, we, we just had to erase them because, you know, we really couldn't keep up with them anymore. You know, so this is when we started seeing this pattern of going, hmm, what's, what's going on here? Now, the interesting thing is the churches that originally started as churches actually, for the most part, still exist to this day. The ones that were groups, you know, they're in, they're, they've joined churches and they're part of some of these house churches now and they're part of other local churches. So they, they, that should have been a clue early on about the identity piece. But I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, Chuck knows me well. It's I need repetition. If repetition doesn't work, then I need blunt force trauma. If blunt force trauma doesn't work, then repetitive blunt force trauma that usually works with me. So, so here we had, you know, we had this expansion, and then all of a sudden it's like, man, where where did all that go? What happened? Well, at the same time, we get, and I can't think if this is before or after. Um, the because wheat was a big thing, but I can't think time frame. That was it. Was it 2010 or 2011? All right. So it must have been still 2010 because we then we went over to Nashville. We went to that would have been 11 though. It was 11 we went to Memphis and trained with Jay. Okay. So anyhow, we've been in Nashville. It was early 12. It was early 12. Okay. So anyhow, I went to Nashville, began training. Um, First did an Apollo training, um, then we did another training with David and James. Uh, saw the same thing happen. We, we sort of placated on the word church, um, went after groups. Uh, they had about 89 groups going. Um, and I still think we were probably really trying to discern what a house of peace, person of peace was. We were just calling. You're excited anybody's willing to have a spiritual conversation. So that was the first shock. You know, so I, I think that's... If I would say there's a clear pattern in the U.S., when you're thinking about mobilizing from here back to here, the first one is that there is any spiritual hunger because we have conditioned ourselves to believe there is none. So the first thing is, oh, wow, people are spiritually hungry. The next one is, wow, somebody just got gave their life to Christ. Wow, you know, so we're, we're blown away that that could happen. And then the next step is that somebody might potentially multiply. And then if that happens, we're just, you know, we're still, you still can't talk to me about church. But now you begin to see some multiplication. And, you know, so again, we're, we're a bit shocked. We haven't still dealt with this, this church issue that's hanging out here. And so there's, there's definitely a pattern of when we're moving from here to here about receptivity, people responding, multiplication. Then you got to get to disciple-making groups before you can even talk about church. All right? So this has just been a reoccurring theme that has happened over and over again. Um, but then Wheaton was huge because I think this is when um, the first first big thing was uh, Ray and these guys. We went down to Florida, did training with Bert and their folks. And by now, we're, we're, we're really pounding. We've got to have three touches. We're, we know it takes... If we're going to shift this paradigm to be able to reach down in here, we're going to need these three touches. And so, one of the first touches... That? What do you mean by that, Jeff? Well, they essentially sort of the basics of who you share with, what do you say, how do you make disciples, how do you get to group at that point in time. Um, I'll always push the idea of church here. Um, we know it's going to take about three different times. The same people have to almost hear the same thing. Now, it helps if you... It's like you say it a hundred different ways, but you're saying the same thing. And we're just finding, in general, it takes three touches to help somebody at least get to that point of 
let's say, getting a multiplication. Now, the interesting thing with Burke that was unique among everybody else, what we find here is when people get a hold of the materials, the first thing they want to do is change them. You know, so we're, we were trying to keep the materials real simple, real simple what we did in Asia. Most of the time, folks over here, when they got a hold of the material, they would make them complex. So the thing that Burke didn't do, he wasn't willing to give his gospel presentation. It was 70-some verses. And it took six to eight months to learn how to share it. And, but Burke, we were able to push him, will it be reproducing at NC State University? You know, you got cow farmers. you got guys milking cows. These dudes can't memorize 70 verses. I mean, come on, Clint Arrow. I mean, come, there's no way. And so we kept pushing um, Burke on this. And so he got down to 35 verses. Eventually, about six months later, he was down to seven verses. And then Burke, since that point in time, he didn't change anything else. Um, and and I just this is one thing, just sort of a personal note after hindsight, looking in the rearview mirror. Some of the early adopters that are most effective early on were people who had a strong background in discipleship and gospel. So I think that's why Navigators is an earlier adopter on this. The Great Commission churches have a strong DNA of gospeling and discipling. So I think that's one of those things, when you look at that DNA, it's very helpful. The interesting thing that Great Commission Church does is they don't have any inhibitions when it comes to house church. They were birthed out of house church. Now there's, there is a little bit of inhibition, but it's, uh, there's a lot of openness to it. So Burke really didn't change anything. So if, if we were to just take Burke, um, I'm pretty sure I'm right on this. They had their first full year cycle of doing T for T. Um, they had seven streams that went to fourth generation and beyond um, groups. Now they would call them home groups, but for all intentions, they function like church. Um, and they... So they went from zero to, I think, 54 uh, groups with multiplication in their first year. And the only, like I said, the only thing they really tweaked was the gospel presentation. Okay? Now, I can, I can tell you other people who just put as much the same amount of effort in, but they changed, well, that gospel presentation work, won't work here. We need to do this. Or, hey, that discipleship piece won't work here. Let's... let's I don't mean they think they said, hey, let's complicate it. Let's just make it a little more solid, you know, or whatever it may be. And they complicated it, is what happened. So that was the real interesting thing about Burke, is he didn't really mess with that. Um, then we went over um, to Memphis. Maybe it was 11. Well, the other thing is, by the way, is Jay came, Jay first came to us and actually before Wheaton, and took a look. Because again, I'm, I'm looking for three touches, because that's one of the things I was trying to, I was trying to map the touches. So Jay first came, and we found that was a really good touch, if they came and saw. So Jay and some guys came over and saw, and then we went over and did training at the association. Um, and you blew it off, only came for four hours, but um, Jay... You remember that. Yeah. yeah. I was like, I can't believe this young punk, man. Just so <laughs> I didn't even know you knew that I was there. <laughs> I remember you sitting over here on the right. But a pot, you know, a, one thing that when we went to Memphis to train, and it's sort of been the same way with Nashville, 
is when we went to Memphis to train, we took Andy Evans, uh, Jay, Jay um, Kevin came with me, and there was one other person in the car, I can't remember who it was, it was one of Kevin's disciples. Um, but anyhow, it was we swarm trained. And so we, you know, everybody got up and taught different parts. It was a little messy because of that. I wouldn't have known. You wouldn't have known. It was only four hours, yeah. <laughs> so there was swarm training. Uh, same way in Nashville, swarm training. This, um, we always, as, as you got somebody new coming along, we would, and we found they were effective, you know, starting to share their story, Jesus' story, they're obeying. If they were willing, we'd bring, bring them with them. The first thing we do is let them share testimony. But if they were able, we would actually then actually throw them out to do part of the training. It makes training very messy, but it's a way to develop your leaders. And then, to me, the high-value activity was actually the, the 10 hours riding in the truck. And then the nights together is where you're developing your leaders. And again, I would sort of base this on Acts chapter 20, Acts chapter 19. We have lots of evidence of these guys swarm training, swarm zero to one. Um, so you had all these guys involved in that. Um, and just by the way, then Andy Evans and Jay Pratt start going other places training on their own, training in different associations um, among the Baptist in a particular area. Um, was Clint there at that time? No. Clint's still far from God at this point in time. Um, and those, um, that four hours changed the rest of my life, to be honest. That was a good four hours, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we wouldn't be sitting here right now. <laughs> that might have ruined it, though. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's so I think the, the other thing that was huge about this point in time is the, the Wheaton training, the Houston trainings, because like y'all went down to Houston. But again, I think it added to those extra touches. We, we needed those three touches. I mean, it's just consistent three touches. And it has been needed all the way along. Um, Feeling pretty random the way I'm sharing this. between what you're learning going from four to one and then the storyline. So, yeah, see good sets here. Yeah, okay. Let me just sort of go back. So, as we're we're going through this, there is starting now because of some gen growth. You know, so we're. We're almost in the uh, second, third year in this. So there's beginning to appear to be some gen growth. So Andy's got generational growth in uh, Spindale. There's a guy named Ricky who came out of Andy's work has generational growth. There's another guy, um, oh shoot, I forgot his name. Uh, Dave, he's seeing generational growth in Spindale. Um, Kevin Jones is seeing generational growth. The guy that Kevin trained uh, named Ricky is seeing generational growth. And, and most of these guys, now, at this point in time, we're talking about disciple-making gen growth um, at this point in time. Um, now, all these guys actually would still be involved in this and are still, they're actually moved to church planting except for Dave. So all the rest of the guys would be involved, but they're doing church planting now, like in Chesney and Spindale and places like that. Um, so there's getting to be a little bit of going, wow, there's God's doing something. Um 
And then we did a meeting up at the, this is when Clint actually comes in. We meet up at the log cabin up in the Smoky Mountains. And we did our first mid-level at that point in time. And I was there the whole time. Yeah, yeah he, he came for more than four hours. Um, and he even stayed awake. Um, we had a, the interesting thing is we had a lot of spiritual warfare when we went to do it. A bunch of key folks that day, sickness came in. Um, Crohn's disease, two key leaders. Um, Rick Niels Perry's wife got Crohn's disease. He's had it, but it flared up after 18 years. And then a guy named Mark, his daughter has Crohn's disease. She's actually in the hospital right now with Crohn's disease in Charlotte and has been ever since this. And so just the level of, um, there was a lot of spiritual battles, I think, that weekend in particular. Um, Jeff, that was the first mid-level in the U.S. Or like, yeah, this first one we had done. Yeah, and Ray, yeah, Ray came up to it, and some folks from Columbia, South Carolina. Um, the and again, I think we're, we're looking and we're seeing. Wow, here's we see God working, um, but we're still going. Why? Why are we having to do so much of this? And there's a side of movements where you know, if you think about a bell curve. There's a side where there's a push, and you're pushing, 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 pushing. You know, and what you're you're hoping to get to that tipping point where then you're chasing it, but you want all the DNA set. Well, at this point in time, it still feels like you're pushing a lot, um, no doubt. But I think um, another thing that I just sort of marked in the whole thing of this has been Steve's podcasts have been really helpful because it's speeding up people's learning as we're doing this. So by getting the story out, it's actually, when you're meeting people, they're getting further along. So that was that was a surprise for me because yeah. I'm, I'm an anti-media guy at that point in time. And so, but anyhow, we just saw the power of media, podcast videos. Um, Steve's in Australia. Steve's in Australia. I can tell you, save the day. This probably soon after that's probably when we connected with Chuck via Steve. Um, and it was, yeah, it was that connection there. Actually, a lot of folks would be connected via Steve, um, believe it or not. That's, that's a pretty common theme. Um, I, wanted to, I wanted to make a point, though. One of the things that we began to find at the mid-levels, and this, is, this was very different than the U.S., when I first came back, I trained Element Church, and I, and I sort of blame, again, I, but I wouldn't have known any better. I trained them in biblical principles of how to get to movement. That's the way I trained in India. You taught biblical principles, then you gave people tools. But what happened is they actually got overwhelmed with all the biblical principles mm-hmm. to the point that they didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. And it was just, I just gave them too much. Well, the big thing I learned, and it took me a long time, it took me about two years. Again, I, I'm slow. And I, I don't like this, but the, the thing I've noticed about the U.S. is you actually almost have to start with methods and tools. Give them methods and tools. And then what you have to do is use the mid-levels to move them to biblical principles. That's not the way it happened in South Asia. Um, we started with biblical principles and then gave them tools. And then we refined things as we went. Well, the U.S. has been totally flip-flopped. And so anyhow, I made, a, I made a lot of mistakes early on because I pounded principles. And people couldn't stomach the principles. 
Again, I don't know how you would have done it except just learn by trial and error. So the, the big difference with mid-levels for us in the U.S., in my mind, is once you get tools, if you use the tools and trust them and don't mess with them too much, they will move you a certain distance, but you're, you're going to come up with obstacles. But the mid-levels, you've got to backfill with biblical principles. And I think everybody in this room, that's where... A lot of us, we were moving from, hey, here's good tools, T for T methodology, but now we're being rooted in Scripture, and I'm no longer standing on a T for T book. I'm standing on the Word of God, and thus saith the Lord. So why are we doing meeting baptism? Why are we planting churches? Why are we doing this to the point of no place left? And so that's been a, if, if we wouldn't, I mean, that's been a big transition with the mid-levels. So that, that's vastly, that's just one of those cultural things that's a little different. Um, I'll just show this real quick. But I don't know if it'll help you or confuse you. Um, this, this is just sort of, um, this is crisscrossing the U.S. But this is just sort of, I, I sort of took, I think that's brown. Then blue, the purple looks like blue too, and then orange and uh, red. But what, again, if you just sort of look back to a lot of these places, there's been multiple touches. Mm-hmm. Whether it was through a push event, or whether it was through a training, or a Wheaton training, or a Houston training, a Denver training, um, you, I just started seeing there's these multiple touches again. The three, three different touches is a normal pattern. Almost every one of these trainings would have done been done in a swarm. There was there was very few of these where it was Jeff only. Most every single one of these trainings has been done through uh, multiple people training. Uh, does lead to some confusion. Does create problems. But I think it's a really good thing. Um, and I'm just I'm going to reflect back to South Asia. I remember after I'd gotten Nathan Shank and. I did a model assist watch and leave with Nathan. I did three trainings on the front end. And we'd taken Acts 29 and shortened it to two and a half days to what actually now becomes four fields. And we modeled. And then the next thing, Nathan taught. And then the next one, Nathan and a guy named Lee Puck and Kerry, they taught most of it. And then they did a fourth one, and I left. Well, we, we come back a year later, and we're up over 120 churches, a couple thousand baptisms in that area with these guys now. And I grab my national partner named Kunsong, and I get out of Sri Lanka, and I go to a guy named Steve Crittenden, and I do a training in Sri Lanka, and we do three trainings back-to-back with his team. Well, the interesting thing is, when I went and did that, I could count 11 more trainings going on while I was in Sri Lanka from internal momentum within the beginnings of this new chunk of a movement. We already had a little bit of a movement going on towards Bhutan and back in the Nepal area, but now here's this new chunk, and there's 11 trainings going on that I don't have anything to do with. Well, to me, that's that's one of those really, really good signs is when that's happening. Well, that's, that's actually just recently, in say the last two years, that's something that's getting to be more common, is I, I can know that I'm over here training, and I know somebody else is training here and here and here and here, let alone weekly rollouts, because weekly is the main way we roll these out. Right? So that's, I mean, that's one of those really good signs right now that's been a shift from, say, the first two years was just a handful of people. But there's a lot of people now training in the U.S. 
So Jeff, let me, let me clarify something you just said, because I, I think we may be missing this, and I'm going to write these things down so I'm going to let you hold your own post okay. that. But you're doing two types of trainings. In Charlotte, you're doing weekly trainings. Yes. Okay. But the three touches is when you're going to the Cleveland's and the, all of these other Memphis, mm-hmm. is when you're saying, I want to make sure these guys get three touches as we're trying to kick something off in new content. Is that yeah. correct? Yes. Yeah. Okay, because I just, I think we would, we might miss the picture if we're saying yeah. Jeff's giving three touches to people in Charlotte. Yeah. That's not what you're doing. No. That's where you're doing a weekly T for T with these guys. What you're saying is we try to go over to Memphis. Okay, I want to make sure these guys get three touches and then they're doing training with me in other contexts. Is that right? Yep. Okay. Yep. Right. Yeah, and even like Daniel's helped me in Atlanta. Of course, y'all have helped me. I've helped you, right? Uh, I've helped Ray. Ray's helped me. You know, so I, I, I don't think, I mean, maybe I, I haven't been in, we haven't done anything together. But in the U.S., I think everybody in here, we've all co-trained something. Whether I let it or you let it, and I help well, you. The, the best part about it is, is now there's such a, a cross pollination where we've all come down and helped Troy. Troy's come over here, like so it's created a, a nice cross pollination within the trainers. Not just you, no longer is the point of contact. Yeah, everyone else. Exactly. So if I go out of the picture, I'm not. It's no big deal. Can you just name the places on this map so we can mm-hmm. see it? Yeah. Go, go chronologically. Okay, I'll do the best. So if, if we sort of start here, this is, you know, this is obviously Booger Hollow, North Carolina. You know, it's the center of the universe. It's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a Booger Hollow centric map. Booger Hollow International Someday. <laughs> so these, of course, this is uh, Spindale, this is Forest City, um, this is Chesney. This is where we began to see some of the first gen growth. Um, then the Charlotte sort of became the next Charlotte. Um, I don't know where Nashville went. Um, Nashville. Um, Knoxville. And, and again, the other thing is you got, um, there's a really interesting thing with the Tennessee Baptist State Convention. They came down, that's one of the touches. Then in Knoxville, we train all of their regional leaders. They have regions over their um, metroplexes, train those guys. Their push is they have a thing called 151. So everybody starts one group, baptizes five people, and those five start one group. And Bobby Welch says if you don't do it, you get fired. Um, so Jesus said. Jesus said. So the interesting thing is when um, I was watching the videos of the Tennessee Baptist Convention here recently. And the first couple guys, I was going, yeah, I trained him, I trained him, I trained him. Well, then the next guy says, well, I was trained by James. I was trained by David. And we had 79 baptisms. I was trained by him. We had seven baptisms. And I was trained by, and, I was, and it was pretty amazing to see, because the first video was just David, James, and a few handful full of guys we trained. And then you saw all these other guys trained by these guys. And so, again, we'll, we'll have to wait and see what that looks like. Um, Knoxville, we got three touches in Knoxville. We got a little derailed. But the cool thing is, again, occasionally I'm looking for generals. And occasionally generals sometimes don't need three touches. But there was a guy named Jeff Calloway who was with, with the North American Mission Board. And so they've gone up to Cleveland, Tennessee, and have they're seeing multiplication in Cleveland. I'm sorry, Cleveland, North, Cleveland, Ohio. And then there's a guy named David down in Medina, which is just south. And they're seeing multiplication. 
Never been able to get them to a med level. Never been able to get them to another training. I can communicate with them. I've, we've invited them numerous times and numerous things, but we, we haven't been able to do anything with them. But they, and they actually have a church up there that's now seeing multiplication. So a traditional church in the downtown area. So there's been some really amazing things here. Young, it was interesting. A lot of these guys came to Knoxville. There were some great guys out of that training that went back up to these areas. We had an air train guy came down to Nashville, went back up, seeing multiplication in Columbus, Ohio. Um, you guys, of course, the other thing is the, you guys came from Indy down to, with Gary Stump and your crew, down to Knoxville and came over and hung out in Booger Holler. Then we went up and did a mid-level up there with Gary. Um, so I don't know if I'm doing real well chronologically. Um, and then, so essentially, all of this, then we... In North Carolina, we trained all the Metroplexes. Um, the only one, though, we really got a, the, new, the number of touches we needed with was the Asian. Uh, there, there's a group of Asians that plant churches for the Baptists in North Carolina, and we've actually had multiple touches with these guys. Um, I think it's right here. And again, we've got some really intuitive guys. So there's a Filipino guy, very intuitive, and he just, he just started picking up on this stuff. And so he, he, but he had three touches. So he came to a training. I did a training with him, and then we did a couple times where we just hung out and just talked through things. And he was obviously very intuitive. And so he's run this, and then we did the training with the. The nice thing is the Asians adopted this because it didn't cost anything. They can't afford this lifeweight material; it's too expensive. So they like this as just the Bible. And so we trained all the Asian church planners in North Carolina who are using this. On things like that, that's the hard thing when you do this. You talk about Tennessee Baptist Convention, you talk about North Carolina, train all the metroplexes. In a lot of ways, I know a lot of people probably didn't do anything, but there's others, you know there's stuff going on, but I don't honestly know the truth of, say, the Asian work, what's going on. Because they have such, Ralph is such a good coach, there's been no need um, for me. Um, We're going to have a break for lunch. So walk us, just walk us down through 2012, 2013. There's a lot of those arrows on here. Yeah, and again, we're sort of wrapping up the metroplexes in North Carolina, but then through the MUPS training out in Texas, um, we meet Fred and Melissa. And then, um, of course, a huge innovation here for all of us has been the House of Peace Search. Um, so that was one of those, again, I think that's the power of the community of learning. It, it just gave us handles. We, we understood the House of Peace concept, but sometimes what we need is handles. So we believe the principle, um, or the fourth soil principle, but now we have this tool so far that's been transferable. So if we step back over to here, you know, the first days in Booger Hollow, we're, we're struggling. Well, now we got a tool that's consistently working in a lot of places with that House of Peace tool. And then we got some gospel presentations. We know we got three or four gospel presentations that have gotten to fourth generation. I think the three circles with uh, Jimmy Scroggins is going to get the fourth generation. You know, so we're starting to see that happen. But again, you're talking multiple touches here. Whether y'all come up and I didn't, I forgot about Boston. Y'all came up and helped me in Boston. Um, then we've come down here. You helped me in Dallas. Uh, was the other place first? Something in South Fort Worth it has to do with uh, Oldsmobile. I think in muscle cars, but it has to do with some muscle cars. So. Um, and then I think the other thing that just 
this was a huge piece, I think, was, and it was really Fred's idea, was bringing Steve and other practitioners in to help us at the mid-level. Because if not, we were, we were, the Tar Heel Lodge was great, you know, sort of a, the best we could do at the Tar Heel Lodge. You know, there's 40 days of fasting and prayer, and Chuck overachieved and read the New Testament through 10 times. The rest of us really never got that far. I think I got about seven or eight times through, and it's like, wow, you know. But it was, but, but I think the, the really great thing is, you know, one, we were amazed at what God was doing through Fred and Melissa and Chuck and Deb and other people. Um, but I think. What really just took us light years ahead was having, you know, Steve, you guys coming in was huge for us, and uh, Ying and Grace and um, Bill Smith, and it just, it just, I don't know where else in the world you could have pulled that off, but I think that has tremendously, because to me, the whole, one of the, the goal of leadership is to get leaders shoulder height as rapidly as possible. Um, now, you can't create the depth from the experience. But I think those events have been catalytic in nature to get that, which was very unique. Um, of course, the big one December last year was we had the aha moment of, again, I, I screwed up the DNA early on because I placated to this, again, but I wouldn't have got, we wouldn't have had the voice. If we don't go after disciple making, we don't go after discipleship multiplication, we don't get the voice to talk about church. Well, now we got a voice to talk about church, but we it took a... It's like going around your back to scratch your butt, you know. <laughs> I had to throw it in eventually. <laughs> it's a lot easier to go this way. So glad you It's a good visual, isn't it? <laughs> By the way, I think it's lunchtime. I don't even know what I was talking about there. Um, but the big, the big shift there, I think for us was we all sort of everybody had the aha moment of going, "Wow, we have got to get to church." Because I think you guys, you know, you, you had all these disciple making groups, and you went and took the eraser, and all of us have done it, and we've erased. I, we've literally erased. The truth is, thousands of groups. Yeah. Now, the good thing is people came to Christ. People multiplied. I mean, there's good things happening. But we, we, we've done this in every city. It's a, it's a fact. And it just seems to be, as we're going to help this group move to here, it's going to be a normal thing that happens. Now, hopefully, eventually, we're going to be able to convince people. Now, Chuck was much smarter than most of us, and he just went straight for church. But we've seen, you know, James and David shifted completely to church, now engaging 30 different UPGs and UUPGs in Nashville. I think leading the nation on that piece. And there's another guy named Kika, who was trained with me while I was trained by Bruce Carlton in Texas, and he's, he's blowing the doors off too. Um, and then I think the other... Um, I think with, there's a community of learning... That, or an attitude of learning. Because I think one of the big things I learned from David Garrison is we need to have be a, an attitude of learners. That we never, if we ever get to the point we think we've got it all together, we've lost it. And so I think having that attitude of being communicating that we are learners and failing forward in the midst of this. And I, and I guess right now the, the next big piece for me and chronologically was 
Um, I think you had a sense of God's up to something in December of last year, or that was 12, 13. Um, but I think uh, this most recent one in Houston, when you had Bill Smith emotional and Curtis Sargent emotional, and they, yeah, you know, it's pretty, it's a challenge, right? But just to see, you know, that they both were going, wow. You know, Curtis saying, hey, what you're seeing in this room is similar to what we're seeing in this room around the country. And and just the sense of, wow, God is up to something. So I think all of us are still going, it feels very, it'd all fall apart tomorrow. But it's so different than it was, say, three years ago. And I think the maturity of the level of leadership has matured tremendously. But then, you know, Bill Smith just emotionally saying, you know, I didn't think this was possible to see in my lifetime that this might be something that happened. So, and I, I'm, I'm holding on to that. That's right. Because that's, right. um, that feeling that we had on Houston that Saturday afternoon, yeah. um, you know, because, you know, it wouldn't have been for sure.